Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. That would be me, as always, we are joined, <laughs> nearly a stumble to start, by producer Annabelle Lee. Hi! Hi. You said nearly a stumble, it was definitely a stumble. <laughs> it was a casual stumble, <laughs> I think we'll find. And we've regained our composure beautifully. Coming up on today's show, Coachella, of course. But are we crazy for sensing a vibe shift all the way over in Palm Springs this year? Plus, Elle Ferguson is forced to quit the block three days in. The brand new Kardashian show is here. And in the same week, the family is being sued for $100 million. And then we absolutely need to unpack those absolutely wild and false rumours about Rihanna and ASAP Rocky that had the internet in a stranglehold over the weekend. But first, my beloved Zara McDonald, how was your week? Hello, I had a pretty good week. Yeah. I went on holiday for a few days, which is nice. And I feel like whenever we go on holiday, we have to do our customary shout out to the part of the country that we go to and give them our support. So... (laughs) What's up, Noosa? <laughs> I've never been to Noosa. Yeah. Does it live up to the hype? Yeah, I love Noosa. I think Noosa for a long time had this like overhyped reputation. Then maybe because of that, it became a bit less cool. And now it's sort of slowly back on the rise. I don't know if that's at all a thing. No, I think it is a thing because that is now happening to Byron Bay. Yes, you're absolutely right. Byron Bay has got very... It, right? It's it's almost too it. I think you're right to the point where if I go to Byron Bay, there are almost too many people there that I know from Melbourne that go up there. So, I'm just popping into friends everywhere. (laughs) You're not hiding there. You're certainly not hiding. And as I say that, you're certainly not hiding in Noosa anyway. I don't know where this is going. Does everyone have that classic like Noosa accent? I don't think so. But then we have accents apparently. So maybe we are not one to talk. Well, and I also 
also think like half of Melbourne was there over oh. the last few days. So I don't actually think many Noosa people were there. Well, good accent, um, girlfriend. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, you said you wanted to talk about my week more than I wanted to talk about my week. Well, I felt validated. We'll do recommendations at the end. I felt validated this week because you came into the office and bless your soul. You had a bit of mascara smudged around your face <laughs> and you said to me, I was just on a telehealth appointment with a doctor and he made me cry. And I was looking at you being like, what could a doctor possibly say on a telehealth call to make my gal cry? Well, truthfully, quite a few things. <laughs> the context should be, I was just calling up to get me pill. Like I was just calling. <laughs> What's made us Cockney today? <laughs> Good old pill. Pill. Well, Cockney or Ocker? I think it's Cockney. Cockney. Oh, there we go. I was just calling up to get a prescription. Like it was a very run of the mill call. I just, just give me my script. Let me take my pill. Give me my pill, doctor. <laughs> yes. So you all of a sudden come in with mascara smudged on your eyelids, looking a little teary. And we're talking back and forth about how awful this doctor was to you and how random it is for a doctor to make you cry. And just like yell at you out of nowhere. Yeah, and you were like, he was practically abusing me on the phone. And I was like, oh my God, this is horrific. Anyway, thank God, one of the other girls in the office, Ray, turned to you and said, what doctor's office was it? And you gave the name of the doctor's office. And it dawned on me, I have only ever cried in one doctor's appointment <laughs> in my life. And it was at the exact same doctor's office last year. That wasn't even a proper appointment either. I just needed to be approved to get the vaccine for COVID. Yeah. And he made me cry 12 months ago. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. The chances of this were ridiculous. I was actually thinking last night, I feel like it's a well-known thing on this show that my favourite podcast episode of all time is This American Life the coincidences one that I forget the name of all the time. I was like, this should go in that episode. We should pitch it to them. Yeah. That the only time I actually think I've properly cried in a doctor's appointment over absolutely nothing was the same doctor that made you cry. And as soon as I connected the dots, I mean, we Google searched him to make sure it is in fact the same doctor that made us both Google cry. Google images. <laughs> was it him? <laughs> he popped up and it was trauma all over me because I'm like, yes, that is the man. But I felt such sympathy for you. I already, of course, felt sorry for you <laughs> that you had cried in this doctor's appointment. But anyone in the inner suburbs of Melbourne who has seen this doctor has probably been through a similar experience to us. We won't give his name because I can't be fucked being sued. But my oh my. Don't go to him. What an asshole. No, I want to. I want to go test the waters. <laughs> see if you guys are just weak. <laughs> 100%. It's like, I want to send you in and just see what he can do to you. Yeah. It's like, bring it on. Break me, doctor. I feel like we need to send everyone from the shameless media office and it's like survival of the fittest. Who is the weakest link? I got in. I went in for a script, as we know, and I basically walked out the worst person in the world and someone who was dying. So riddle me that. You literally made it out to Zara like she will die tomorrow. I was like, oh my God. He Rude. gaslighted me out of my own illness. He looked at me and basically went, you don't have asthma that's that bad. <laughs> doctor, please. Do doctor, sir. Doctor, so please. that's our coincidence of the week. It was quite remarkable. Let's talk recommendations before we go anywhere. Yes. I have two this week. I do acknowledge I came with nothing last week and it's hard, Mish. Some weeks you have... 100 some weeks you have none this week I have two really good ones and a smart person would save one for next week but I'm not a smart person Nah, we're fast and loose here so the first thing I want to recommend is a television show all over Netflix at the moment I am sure people have seen it it is anatomy of a scandal have you guys seen it no nope, haven't seen it I have seen it at number one on the Netflix charts I clicked in saw that it was categorized as like a psycho thriller or yeah. something and I was like not for me not today so it's starring Sienna Miller she's our gal, she has one of her first like proper lead roles almost ever. Mm. 
And I was very intrigued to watch her in this given it was only a month ago that we covered the Jude Law, Sienna Miller sort of nanny gate scandal on Scandal. And the show that she's starring in at the moment is she's basically a politician's wife in the UK and it comes out in the first episode that he's been having an affair with a staffer and it's about to, the news is about to break. And so a lot of the press around this television show has been around Sienna Miller channeling her own experiences for the character. So I was like so many parallels for us and I was really fascinated. It's a pretty juicy watch. I'm not going to say that the acting is the best because I obviously know very good acting as someone <laughs> who should have been an actor herself. As someone who once said that if she had gotten acting lessons as a child, she could have been the next Margot Robbie. Which is actually not technically untrue. Um, the acting just doesn't feel good. I actually, I only go off a vibe with acting because I know nothing. The acting doesn't feel good. Well, I'm not an expert, but you know when you're looking at it and, it, and I'm just like, it just doesn't feel good as in you don't believe it yeah the, particularly the guy the main guy I quite like Sienna and I did say to you yesterday Michelle the dubbing like the dubbing yes. over the voices I don't actually know what I'm saying well anyone who might be confused we only learnt this semi-recently for a lot of Netflix dramas what they do is obviously the actors act out the scene in real time but then in post-production they get into an audio booth they record the audio again and that is like superimposed into the footage that you see. So you're not actually hearing the actors in the moment. You're hearing them in a sound booth. It's like lip syncing, yes. right? Yes. Thank there you. we go. God, I could have just said that in five seconds. <laughs> no, it's fine. It took me too long to get there too. But the dubbing in this show is so bad because there was a time where this older woman was in a meeting and sounds were coming out of her mouth, but her mouth wasn't moving. <laughs> so I do want to just like stress that from the top. I appreciate the show has its flaws, but I love it so far. And I think our audience will really like it. So despite not believing the acting, <laughs> not warming to the main male character yeah. and having editing errors, you're telling us all to go watch it. Our gal Sienna. Our gal Okay, yeah. okay. If yeah. it's worth it, I'll try. My second very quick recommendation, Michelle, you might remember a long time ago, maybe a year ago now, you recommended that episode of Modern Love about Justin McLeod who founded Hinge. Yes. And his love story was made into an episode of Modern Love and we had that conversation on Mike about how good that episode is and how remarkable that story is. I found an old episode, maybe a year old, that he did on how I built this with Guy Raz about how he built Hinge. And it's sort of like this interview where they tell two stories. It's both how he built Hinge, but also how he won Kate. <laughs> He's now Aww. one. And I think for me, sometimes when I love a story a lot, I'm more than happy to dive into any piece of content ever yes. that exists about it. And I realised as I was listening to this that I have done heaps of digging into this story about Justin McLeod, as I said, who founded Hinge, but I'd never heard the story from himself. Aww. So I really recommend this. It's about an hour and a half. So if you really just want to like sit in there and listen to the story, it's really remarkable on A, how he built the thing that he built, but also B, the love story that sort of tied it all together. Great recommendation, Zara. Your turn. Okay. I have a highbrow and a lowbrow recommendation. The highbrow one is almost 10 years old, so please forgive me. But my cousin Carolyn on the weekend was saying to me that her favourite documentary of all time is Blackfish. And I was arguing for The Rescue, which is a documentary I recommended at the beginning <laughs> of this year, which I will say is still my favourite doco of all time. It's good. But Carolyn was like, if you have not seen Blackfish, you have not lived, you do not know documentaries, you cannot speak to me, essentially, until you've watched this. So I went home and I watched Blackfish on Stan. For those who aren't familiar with it, it's essentially the story of SeaWorld over in the US and how they used 
orca whales in their shows and how they treated those whales across decades and how those whales were involved in the killing of multiple people, including trainers and visitors to SeaWorld. So I watched this and I was just like flabbergasted. I don't even like that word, but that's the only word to describe it. a good word. Is it? Yeah, it's not bad. I think it's the flabber. (laughs) Objectively amazing. I think it's the flabber element of flabbergasted that I can't really get around. Anyway, I was stunned. I didn't think that I could really care all that much about whales, truthfully. It's never been a topic that I've warmed to in the past. I finished this documentary and then was Googling orca whales. I was looking more deeply into what I had just watched for the last 90 minutes and I just could not recommend this enough. So if you have a Stan account and you haven't seen Blackfish before, it won a heap of awards when it came out in 2013, please go watch it. It is incredible. Well, just quickly, I think also for people who have watched it, I reckon I watched it maybe five years ago. Mm. I still don't really remember the ins and outs of it. So it also could be prime time to just watch it again. Yeah, absolutely. I also found it really interesting how much whales are like more emotionally intelligent, they think, than yes. humans, which was very interesting. So Maybe I should date a whale. <laughs> <laughs> You're not having much luck with humans, Annabelle, so maybe across species. Hang on, she's not trying. I she's not trying. I was going to say in your Hinge recommendation, I did delete Hinge this past week, so you I de- really am not. You delete it every second week and then the other week that it's actually on your phone, you're not even looking at it anyway. You literally come into the office and your update is like, guys, I've given up dating. And then week you're like, guys, I matched with someone in the office. <laughs> That wasn't meant to go out. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it. Fuck it. All right. My second recommendation is far more lowbrow. It is called The Ultimatum. It's on Netflix. I'm not recommending this because I think it's good. I'm recommending this because it will pass the time very, very easily. Mitch and I watched all of season one in a day. It was Easter Monday and we did not move. (laughs) It's busy lives Andrew's Reese household. (laughs) It's essentially a reality TV show from the same people behind Love is Blind. So that show where you're in pods, you need to get engaged to someone you've never met before. The Ultimatum is a show where couples from the outside world go on to the show because one of them wants to get married and the other one isn't ready to commit. And then on the show, they need to decide whether or not they're going to stay together. But the twist, miladies, is that they then couple swap. So they then live with other couples for like a month and then half of them fall in love with other people. And over the course of the show, you realise very, very quickly, every couple fucking sucks. None of them should be getting married. They're all terrible for each other. I mean, I do think if you're going on a TV show called The Ultimatum <laughs> yeah. to work out if you should be together, it's the answer. But I do love that TV producers have just universally come to one agreement and that is that the key to good television is just couple swapping always. Yeah, yeah. Every television show does it. Yes, absolutely. It's cheating and falling in love. That is the recipe for a good reality TV show. That sounds great. Let's get into our first segment of the show, Mish because we are, of course, starting with Coachella. It is the celebrity and pop culture story all over our news feeds, TikTok feeds this week. And i got to say, Mish, I was sensing a little bit of a vibe shift about Coachella this week. Well, given we spoke about vibe shifts earlier this year, there was, of course, this pop culture analyst who came out and said a big vibe shift is coming, but he couldn't possibly name what the actual (laughs) vibe shift was going to be. We found it. (laughs) We've seen it over the weekend if he wants to reach out to us. Perhaps Coachella has shown us the vibe shift. Now, before we get to that, Zara, for anyone who missed it, this was, of course, Coachella's triumphant return after two years of cancellations due to COVID. The festival was on last weekend. Its second half will be on this coming weekend. The big acts included Harry Styles, Billie Eilish, 
Swedish House Mafia, The Weeknd and Doja Cat. Yeah. Now, I think what was most interesting about this is first and foremost, it goes without saying, the music acts did look incredible. Like Mm. Harry Styles' set looked amazing. So did Doja Cat's, Billie Eilish's as well. Like those acts just looked insane. But I think it was happening, you know, running in parallel to the music that was more interesting for me. I mean, I feel like as I was watching all of Coachella unfold basically all over my TikTok feed. I got this sense first and foremost that people were so happy to acknowledge that they weren't having a good time. (laughs) Like the first video that I saw on the first day was this guy and I wish I wrote down his handle or whatever, but he was just sitting on the grounds of Coachella looking around and I think his caption was something like looking around Coachella trying to work out if I'm actually having fun. (laughs) And I was like, that's like me at every party. (laughs) And then I think from there it really sort of – snowballed into this let's do a realistic portrayal of what it's actually like to go to Coachella which means sitting in traffic all day Mm. it means getting there and being covered in dust it means waiting four hours for your favorite set to be able to get close enough to Harry Styles for example Mm. to see him perform and then waiting three hours for an Uber to get home (laughs) yeah and it also I think boiled down a lot to what the biggest stars were actually wearing to the festival I mean over the last I would say five to six years Coachella became this like central point of culture like what was fashion going to look like that year what celebrities were attending Coachella there was like a laser sharp focus on how people were dressing and how they were rocking up to this festival and I think if you look back to four or five years ago it was when Kylie Jenner was wearing fluoro wigs and big lash extensions and I don't know just these crazy intense outfits that influencers and celebrities were putting so 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 much effort into you look at this year and the vibe is definitely do less, try less. Yeah. Don't be a tryhard. Being a tryhard is the worst thing you could be this year at Coachella. There's an element of like don't lean in because if you yeah. did look at Hayley Bieber or Kylie Jenner and what they turned up wearing, it was like jeans, a white tank top and like a leather jacket. Like it was very minimalist as if like the most embarrassing thing anyone could ever do is properly lean into this festival. And like forgive me for like overanalyzing all of this, but it does remind me a lot of casual Instagram and how maybe casual Instagram is also taking over real life events. And when I say casual Instagram, I'm obviously talking about how Instagram has sort of evolved into this place where you you can't look like you're trying too hard. You've got like the Emma Chamberlains who spend probably a great deal of time curating a feed that looks like it's very chill and like very spur of the moment. And that's the vibe I got with Coachella. It's like bring casual Instagram to the festival, don't try too hard. And then suddenly I saw all these memes of people being like, oh, the poor influencers who actually did dress up. How embarrassing. Yeah, all of a sudden it's embarrassing to be the person who spent too long planning their Coachella outfit. Like, oh, how cringe. Like you've really missed the mood. Yes. And I was like, hang on, with all due respect to the people who are turning up not trying, surely there's more effort in not trying. Yeah than trying because yeah, you're surely. trying to create an image of not trying. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> no, but to pretend that you're not trying takes effort in and of itself. Like, yes, for sure. You are also thinking about this as much as everyone else is. 100%. And I think for me, the other reason as well that Coachella just felt less glam perhaps than other years was because of the chaos that surrounded Revolve Festival. Now, if people haven't quite grasped what Revolve Festival is, because I've seen that a bit around on my social media feeds, Revolve Festival is a festival that's put on by 
the brand Revolve that sort of runs next to Coachella. It's obviously nowhere near as big, but they create their own sort of mini pop-up festival during the day and they invite every influencer and famous person that they can. It's like a real who's who. Yeah. And the headlines that came out of Revolve Festival this week were that it was like, quote-unquote, Fire Festival 2.0. The reason that people said it was like Fire Festival, Michelle, was apparently because no one could get into the festival because no one could get on a bus and so people were waiting in the sun for like hours and hours on end without water which I should say is bad but perhaps not comparable to Fire Festival. Yeah LA Mag showbiz reporter Joseph Kapsch wrote about this influencers stranded in the dirt with no water under the hot sun for hours waiting for buses that aren't coming to bring them to the actual festival alleged fights screaming Everyone is dizzy. (laughs) LA Mag told that police are coming and that security had crowds of influencers yelling how important they were and why they deserved the first seat. TikToker Avery Bishop also created a video about this and said there was pushing, shoving, fighting, yanking people in front of the buses, people standing in between the buses while they were moving just to get on these buses to get to Revolve Festival. Now, the thing about this is I feel like for so many people – it's not even just Coachella that they want to go to. It's like also Revolve Fest. Like that's the pinnacle mm. of this sort of festival culture. And if the wall's been pulled down, is that the saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, it's the opposite of being pulled over our eyes. The wall's down <laughs> yeah. and we can see all of this for what it really is. Suddenly the whole thing just looks a lot less sexy. Could this possibly sound like three Aussie gals sitting on a podcast going, oh, I would never want to go to Revolve or to Coachella Festival. But then in reality, if we got tickets, we'd fucking froth at the idea of going to this well all week I was like I actually don't think you could pay me to go to Coachella yeah but now I've said that on microphone <laughs> no pay, pay me to go I was like <laughs> if anyone was to put the offer on the table I'd entertain it no I did look at it and I was like this is just not for me mm. but I do think we do get caught up everyone does and I probably would too in the cultural aspect of this huge event and be like I want to be there I want to be seen there I want to try to manufacture fun, even if it's not my type of fun. Yeah, I saw some great TikToks this week, like you did, Zara, and one of them that you sent me basically had the line, Coachella is more about performance, about performing for the internet, and music is just in the background. Yeah. I think that fucking nails it. Coming up after the break, the brand new Kardashian show is here and they're being sued for $100 million. And then we need to unpack those absolutely wild and false rumours about Rihanna and ASAP Rocky. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle Michelle. Ooh. Doctor made us cry. (laughs) (laughs) What have you got for me? Today, my first story is Honey Badger has emerged from his burrow to announce he's having a wee cub with girlfriend Alexandra. That, of course, who else could it be from, guys? It's from Pedestrian TV. Yes. So, Mish, the man who was once public enemy number one for not picking anyone Mm. in the Bachelor finale, who then suddenly was redeemed in eyes because he saved a 
sheep from a wire fence. Yes, international hero. Yeah, right. Let's call him an international <laughs> hero. Has now announced that he is having a baby himself. He is. There's not really a heap to this one, guys, so we'll be quick. Honey Badger, a.k.a. Nick Cummins, is becoming a dad. He wrote on Instagram this week, my darling and I look forward lovingly to the arrival of our little badger cub. There's something really sweet about men referring to their partners as my darling. <laughs> I love that. Tip for Mitch. <laughs> Does he refer to you as his little darling? I don't need to be a little darling. I just like my darling. My like big darling. <laughs> my, my, my big, big old, old darling. My big old darling. Yeah, exactly. Now, these two have been together since, well, publicly we know they've been together. They first posted on Instagram in January 2021. And, I mean, he seems very happy. He seems super happy. I am actually really stoked for him. Yeah, I do have a theory I want to run past you both. Yeah. I think you can tell with some people what gender of baby they're going to have. Like I look at Nick Cummins and I go, he's a father of boys. Absolutely. He's absolutely having boys. And weirdly enough, the same thing, although they're not very similar people, the same thing happened to me with Miranda Kerr. When I found out Miranda Kerr was pregnant the first time, in my head I went, that woman's having boys. All right, absolutely well, mum of boys. There's absolutely no way to prove Just that you me. predicted that Miranda <laughs> Kerr was only having boys. But you know what? I will give you so this to one. say, we call you the oracle. Give me something. <laughs> I would be very surprised if Nick Cummins is having a girl because he just strikes me as a boy dad. I agree with that. You... Strike me as a boy mum. I actually believe I would also be a boy mum. And I will raise bloody good men, I promise you. And what do I? You give... I reckon boy too. Oh, I think either. It's not clear. But my sister Claire, girl mum, through and through. We all knew it. She had two girls. It was destined to be that way. I'd be a bit scared raising just boys. (laughs) I I wouldn't know how to deal with them. Annabelle... Maybe you're you're a bit boysy too. I've always wanted boys. Yeah, no, but, but little boys like they stress me out. They're such tyrants all the time. Whereas little girls are so well behaved. No, I see, kind of... I reckon my mum would say the opposite. My younger brother was little angel boy. Girls can be <gasps> mean. Yeah, truthfully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone can be mean. No, let's not put people in boxes. Anyway, so glad you guys like my random theory. Thanks I liked so much. it. My second story: the Kardashians review Kim and Co's reality TV comeback rewrites the stereotypes that once hurt them. That is from The Independent. It had been about 10 months since we last saw the Kardashians on TV. Their series Keeping Up with the E! Network ended last June. But if you watched the first episode of The Kardashians with Hulu, you would have thought it had been 10 years since they'd last been on camera. They kept saying so much has changed. We haven't filmed in ages. It's like 10 months, guys. Come yeah, on. but I mean, clearly in their world, it was ages. So, I mean, a quick refresher on this one. Hulu paid a reported nine figures for the program. I always want to know when people say nine figures, are we talking high nine figures? Are we talking low nine figures? I'm trying to figure out what nine figures actually means. Six figures is hundreds of thousands. Seven figures is millions. There she is. Eight is is tens of millions. Oh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. (gasps) But it could be 100 million or 900 million. (laughs) Thank you, Annabelle. (laughs) She is right, though. Just to clarify. There's lots of room. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's all a lot though. It's, oh no, heaps of money. I don't think we're arguing (laughs) with that. Now, another interesting tidbit here, it is produced by the same team behind The Late Late Show with James Corden. Another quick fun fact that I'm sure we have time for. Oh my God. Um, I can't believe you're trying to squeeze this in. Of course I am. Annabelle will like this. The executive producer of The Kardashians, this new show, is a guy called Ben Winston and he also does work on The Late Late Show with James Corden. Now, Ben Winston has a daughter, a little daughter called Ruby Winston. And <laughs> Ruby is that little voice you hear at the start of Harry Styles' new song that said, 
come on, Harry, we want to sing a night to Because they're friends. James and Harry are friends. Oh. Yeah, and they speak through Ben. Oh. He, Harry lived with Ben for a while. So I do I do love my niche celebrity facts. It's you not, know what? I Thank God that. you brought it to the table because Annabelle loved it. <laughs> Can I, may I give you another one? Yeah. Absolutely. We're here. A completely unrelated. Zara's yeah. got time. <laughs> oh, do I ever. Undo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was like a completely different universe. Really random. Ardo, the ABC Australian TV personality. Yeah, my favourite fun fact I think of all time is that Ardo's currently on a contract to write 50 children's books in three years. That's a children's oh. book every three weeks. I love that we so wrongly thought you'd bring us another relevant celebrity <laughs> fact, but instead your brain went, what other fun fact in general do I have? Is that not ridiculous? No, I really appreciate that fact. Because I just want to say, Arne, I'm feeling for you. That must be a lot of pressure. But children's book every three weeks. You've got to concept it out. You've got to write it. You've got to get it edited. And then you're starting again. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing? But also, guys, he wasn't corralled into signing a book deal. He he signed up for it. He wanted to write the books. Why are we feeling sorry for him? It's just ridiculous. So wait, 50 in how many years, sorry? Three years. I think I actually think you might be about halfway into it. Dare I say it wouldn't mm. be that hard. Children's books, <laughs> they go so niche, Annabelle. As someone with two little children in my life, no, it you'll pick hard. up in a book and it'll be like, my favourite bath toy. And then you'll pick up another book and it's like, why I love squirrels. But how, <laughs> how is there a market for 50 books from the same author? If Arne is listening or someone is close to Arne, I would just love to know how it's going. He's the Sally Rooney of kids books. Yeah. No, my God, he's more than that. Anyway, back to the Kardashians for a second. I'm sorry I took us off a cliff with my fun facts. What do we think of the new show? Well, it's interesting because I read the independent review and they gave it four out of five stars. This was like a rave review where they essentially said the Kardashians are back and they're bigger and better than ever and this new show is a revelation. We sat down and watched it together, Zara, and I will say I will basically watch anything Kardashians anyway. Like I will watch this season through. Did I think it was markedly different, fresh or more interesting than the existing Keeping Up With The Kardashians franchise? No, I thought it was just much of the same. I haven't watched a lot of the old Kardashians, but it didn't strike me as the world's most interesting episode. That said, at the end of the episode when they preview the whole season and you know what's coming up, the Pete Davidson stuff, Tristan Thompson again, I was like there will be a lot of stuff for them to work with so I won't write it off just yet. Yeah, well, this season began filming in October 2021 because episode one is all about the lead up to Kim Kardashian being on SNL, which was October last year. In a couple of months, we're going to hear about Tristan Thompson getting another woman pregnant. Yeah. Very uncomfortable because you learn in episode one that him and Chloe are somehow back together kind of so like fucking hell knowing this train wreck is coming is an odd experience it certainly is and it's not the only reason that the Kardashians are in the news this week the sisters actually appeared in an LA courtroom on Monday for Black China's long-awaited trial against the very famous family now Black China is suing the Kardashians for a hundred million dollars in case you missed that one. She's claiming that they ruined her reality TV career. Yeah, she even rejected a settlement offer and that was confirmed by the Kardashian Jenner's defence attorney. She rejected a settlement offer so it is going to trial. Now a recap if you're wondering how Black China and the Kardashians are linked. Black China, whose real name is Angela White, was previously engaged to Rob Kardashian. They share a five-year-old daughter named Dream. 
They actually also starred in their own reality show together. It was called Robin China. It only aired for one season in 2016. For that show, they were each paid about a hundred grand per episode. Now, essentially, this court battle very much revolves around Black China's claims that the Kardashians, in particular Kris Jenner and the very famous sisters, played a part in getting her show cancelled, which she says ultimately, of course, damaged her ability to earn an income. Losing a hundred grand an episode is not pocket change, but also, she says, ruined her career. Yeah, exactly. Now, how is this from a piece in Variety this week? Chris, Kim, Chloe and Kylie, all defendants in the case, were seated together on Monday when the trial began at the LA Superior Courthouse, though Rob was not present for the first day of jury selection. Chris, Kim, Chloe and Kylie are expected to testify, but their appearance at jury selection came as a surprise. It is very random to turn up for jury selection, but there has to be a really considered reason why they were there. I was really surprised to read that. Yeah, it must have something to do with like dare I say intimidation or like they're a huge presence, especially all of them together. When they are picking a jury, it has to have some sort of impact surely on which way it goes. I don't know what impact, but clearly they know what they're doing. Yeah, 100%. Now, curiously, Ryan Seacrest, who was an executive producer on Robin China, is also listed on the witness list and he will probably have to testify via video link. According to Vulture, this trial is expected to go for 10 days So stay tuned. My third story, influencer Elle Ferguson quits the block three days into filming. That is from the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, so fashion and beauty influencer Elle Ferguson, who has over 680,000 followers on Instagram, and her fiancé, the former GWS Giants AFL player Joel Patful, had to actually quit the block this week after just three days of filming because of a family emergency. This must have been quite a huge deal for them. They were only announced on the show just last week, Mission. Now, three days into filming, they've had to leave. Yeah, it's understood the couple had to quit after Patful's mother, Trish, fractured her neck in a really nasty fall at her home in Adelaide. Now, Al Ferguson spoke publicly about this on her Instagram story. She wrote, wherever you are in the world, whatever you are doing, family always comes first. Now, this year's production is actually based in Victoria's Macedon Ranges near the town of Gisborne. Former Neighbours star Sharon Johal and her husband, Anker Dogra, were also cast for this next season. Season, which began shooting just last week. So yeah, it would just be such whiplash to go from thinking that your life will look one way for the next few months to then being in Adelaide caring for a sick family member. So yeah. incredibly difficult. Exactly. My fourth story, why Sophie Monk went it alone at her wedding. That is from the Daily Telegraph. Now you might've missed it, but over the weekend, a rather interesting report landed in the Daily Telly. Essentially, it claimed that Sophie Monk's relationship with her family has broken down with tensions dating back to when she started dating her now husband, Joshua Gross in 2018. Yeah, a really quick refresh for anyone who needs it. Sophie Monk and Josh Gross eloped and got married without any guests in attendance last month. This was covered in an exclusive deal with Stella Magazine. Now, what's interesting about this is I think as a bachelorette consumer who watched Sophie's season very closely, her family were a huge part of that season, weren't they? They were a Mm. huge presence in helping Sophie kind of pick who she was going to be with and help give her advice. They were at the start, they're at the end. And so it is is really interesting now to read these reports that we should say Sophie now denies that perhaps the relationship between Sophie and her family doesn't exist anymore. Well, also anyone who followed her on social media. I remember there were so many videos of her dad 
dad in particular on her social media. So anyone who didn't even watch the show but followed her on socials would know that too. So essentially this new Daily Tally article is claiming that the reason for their elopement was very straightforward, that no wedding guests were in attendance to Sophie's wedding because it would have drawn attention to the fact that Sophie and her family members are not on good terms. As per the Daily Tally, tension between the family resulted in Monk's parents moving out of the Coomera River home they shared with their eldest daughter for four years after selling their Gold Coast home in 2016. Now, this is messy, like incredibly, incredibly messy, particularly when you consider the fact that a source supposedly close to Sophie is spilling everything to the media. Yeah, I mean, that facet of all of these kinds of stories is always a really uncomfortable part of it. Now, this is also not the first time a source close to the couple has kind of run to the Daily Telegraph to try and talk about Sophie's relationship with her family. Back in 2020, when Sophie reportedly blocked her family members on Instagram, a source did tell the paper, Josh has become a very big presence in Sophie's life and I think there was some concern that things all happened a bit too fast. Now, she responded to these rumours in 2020 to the Daily Telegraph by saying, I love my family more than anything. There is nothing I wouldn't do for them. Like all families, there are disagreements. But at the end of the day, family is family and I am sure everything will work out in time. Mm, Pretty big for her to essentially acknowledge that, yes, shit was going down. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Like all families have disagreements is a pretty big thing to say because it feels like a, a, a soft session, a soft confirm to be like, yeah, things aren't perfect right now, but I hope that they work out. But that was back in 2020. Yeah, this time around, Sophie declined to comment on this week's article. She did choose to go on Kyle and Jackie O on Tuesday morning to address the rumours, though. She said there was no truth to what's being reported. My fifth story, Drake's photo of Taylor Swift has to mean something. That is from Vulture. <laughs> so on Tuesday, Australian time, Drake posted a carousel on Instagram that is now making news because (laughs) on that carousel, he ran with the caption, they too soft to understand the meaning of hard work. And among the photos in that carousel were quite a few photos of him. One at the beach, one's like a zoomed up photo. Which is his prerogative. It is his Instagram account. Drake, you do you. It wasn't layered. It wasn't laced. (laughs) Quite a few photos of himself. It was just a point of saying, yes, he quite a few photos of himself. One of his kid and then one at the very end randomly of him like with his arm looped around Taylor Swift. Now, according to BuzzFeed, that photo of him and Taylor is from 2016. Yeah, which naturally has made everyone ask the question, what the fuck is going on? Because Drake and Taylor Swift have had a little bit to do with each other across the years. Like he made a nice comment about her in 2010. She was at his birthday party in 2016. Yes, I Googled all of this. But Really, they don't have much kind of crossover, the careers of Taylor Swift and Drake. It's pretty random. And so people are naturally asking the question, okay, well, are these two working together now or something? There were reports in 2016 that they were recording together, but that the music never saw the light of day. So some are wondering now, okay, well, if Taylor's still in her re-recording phase, which we know she is, could he be on one of the tracks? Vulture also posited the theory that... You know how Kendrick Lamar is on the Bad Blood track? Mm -hmm. Vulture seems to think that Kendrick Lamar is very busy at the moment working on his own music and that perhaps Drake could be on that track instead. That feels less likely to me. Or the other option as well, which we do need to 
posit here is that Drake is just a bit of an oddball and posted the photo without rhyme or reason. I love this caption so much as well. Like, they too soft to understand the meaning of hard work. It's like he's negging literally every single one of us. <laughs> but, like, so fair. Like, I probably am too soft to understand the meaning of hard work. That doctor made us cry. Of course we're too soft to understand. That doctor understands hard work. <laughs> is that all you've got for me? That's all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. If you were on your phone last Friday, you almost couldn't have missed it. Social media was practically on fire with the whispers that his and her Royal Highness of Celebrity, ASAP Rocky and Rihanna, were over. Why? Well, because, so the rumour went, ASAP Rocky had an affair with designer Amina Mawadi at Paris Fashion Week earlier this year. Twitter was melting, Instagram was melting and TikTok was melting too. But not everything was as it seems, Michelle. Not at all. Curious, before we get into this one, where were we all when we saw this erupt on social media on Good Friday? Well, I was in Noosa. I was in Noosa. And I saw this tweet on Twitter, obviously. And I thought straight away, well, it's not out of the realm of possibility to see rogue stuff on Twitter. Like you see it every single day. But I clicked into the profile of the person who tweeted it and I was like, oh, okay, so this person's a fashion blogger, works in this scene, knows people, who's just putting their name to this? And then I sent it to you and I was like, what in the world is this? Yeah, you sent it to me and my tiny brain exploded. I was kind of looking all over social media. I couldn't find any legit news publications who had written about it. So that for me, I was kind of like, hmm, it's been out on Twitter for a few hours. So they're probably scrambling to get something up or it's complete bullshit and they've already discarded it as being pointless. But I was then looking on Twitter and seeing that, as you said, Zara, some people, particularly the original poster, had incredible profiles to them. Like they're not just some faceless person who's claiming that some bullshit celebrity story is true. These are people in the industry who might have intel or in-depth knowledge as to what they're talking about. So I put something up on the Shameless podcast Instagram account, which was essentially an explainer of what had happened that morning. We did say it is all likelihood bullshit. We don't know what to make of it. But I think everyone at that point didn't know what to believe because it was so rampant. Well, it's always remarkable when a rumour like that just gains such steam. So let's kind of strip it back a bit, I think, and walk everyone through exactly what happened because I think context here is everything. Mm. So this did start, as you say, Mish, when a 31-year-old fashion blogger called Louis Pisano, who has 130,000 followers on Instagram and 21,000 on Twitter, posted this on Twitter. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky have split. Rihanna broke up with him after she caught him cheating with shoe designer Amina Muwadi. They went on to say ASAP and Amina are not new as she was seeing him years ago. Yeah, which begs the question, who is Amina Muwadi? Well, she is a fashion designer and shoemaker. In 2017, she launched her brand. Her pieces had been worn by the likes of Bella and Gigi Hadid, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner and Rihanna. I would almost say she's the shoe designer of the moment. She is everywhere right now. And one of her connections to Rihanna, which is very interesting, is that she was actually hired by Rihanna to design footwear for Fenty and their first collection together was released in July 2020. At the end of that year, Amina also collaborated with ASAP Rocky on a collection. So there is probably at least a co-working relationship here, potentially friendship on top of that as well. Like these three are in each other's orbit and have been for years. For sure. And as we say, so this tweet goes live, people start 
losing it all over Twitter. And I think for me, I spent quite a bit of time on Twitter. I'm like a big Twitter lurker. You are. I don't tweet, I just look. (laughs) And I couldn't quite believe that a single tweet, because there was nobody else saying this, just one person saying this, I couldn't believe how how much it exploded and how much everybody else was suddenly talking about it. Very quickly, it seemed that TMZ actually joined the chat, right? And they wrote a story saying the whole thing wasn't true. And they led with this line. There's a story buzzing around that Rihanna and ASAP Rocky have split because he cheated on her, but a source directly connected to both artists who has regular interaction with them tells TMZ neither the breakup claim or the cheating claim is true. Yeah, on top of that, Amina herself actually came out on her Instagram stories the following day and wrote, I've always believed that an unfounded lie spread on social media doesn't deserve any response or clarification, especially one that is so vile. I initially assumed that this fake gossip fabricated with such malicious intent would not be taken seriously. However, in the last 24 hours, I've been reminded that we live in a society that is so quick to speak on topics regardless of factual basis and that nothing is off limits. Not even during what should be one of the most beautiful and celebrated times in one's life. Therefore, I have to speak up as this is not only directed towards me, but is related to people I have a great amount of respect and affection for. While Rhee is continuing to live her serene, best-dressed pregnancy life and I go back to my business, I wish everyone a beautiful Easter weekend. Now, this was so interesting to me because by the time that we got clarification that this was bullshit, shit, this is completely unfounded, it's not true. I couldn't stop thinking, why the hell would Louis Pisano put their name to something so litigious and something so (laughs) risky and something that will very clearly lead to a defamation suit, surely. And so high profile as well. Like you're not just going after, you know, a C-grade celebrity. You are going after... Rihanna. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky days after they've just done a profile talking about how much they love each other, right? Like they are top of everybody's minds right now. And she's pregnant. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So very quickly, Louis starts backpedaling on Twitter. They released a statement saying, last night I made a dumb decision to tweet some information I'd received. I'm not going to talk about sources, blame others for a discussion that was started, etc. because at the end of the day, I made the decision to draft that tweet, press send and put that out with my name on it. I'd like to formally apologise to all parties I involved with my actions and for my reckless tweets. They also went on and said, I have no excuse for it. I've been way too wrapped up in Twitter drama and unfortunately leaned into being messy as a brand, which is something going forward I'm going to move away from. I am going to take some time away from Twitter to figure out what this looks like and how I can start using my platforms better as I've gotten away from using them for more positive work. I found that statement fascinating, Mm. the end part particularly, where they said that they had leaned into being messy as a brand, that this is what they'd become known for. And suddenly, look where it's landed them. Yeah. Do you think this is kind of a knowledge that if you retaliate against the kind of PC gone mad trope that you can't say anything these days, you build a brand quicker? If you are messy on Twitter and if you are messy on Instagram and you have that unfiltered brand, people are going to flock to you. I think there's certainly something to that. But if you lean into that, you are setting yourself up for a dumpster fire of a career. I agree with that. And I think what's most predictable, I think, in this story is how ASAP Rocky and Rihanna 
did keep a really dignified silence, which would be incredibly hard at a time like this when people are talking about you. But they didn't say anything beyond reportedly getting on a plane on Saturday morning the day after this broke, flying to Barbados and getting some pap pictures together, what, like holding hands. Yeah, going to dinner. Yeah, and I think when I started to unpack this, I'm like, how does this happen? Like how does a story like this happen? How does someone feel so confident to just like put their name to this? And it made me wonder, I feel like Louis might have been set up and that's not in a way where I at all feel sorry for them because at the end of the day, yes, they absolutely chose to put this tweet out into the world. But if this is someone who has lent into being messy as a brand, I mean, for example, there's an interview magazine profile that was released on them last month that called them Instagram's messiest fashion influencer perhaps people were tiring of that because yeah. who has fed them this information and thought this will absolutely be something they put out into the world? Yeah, I agree. It's got to be something like that. I think if you are colleagues, say you're another fashion blogger or if you're someone even in the fashion space and you're a brand and you're seeing someone be held up on a pedestal, someone be interviewed by Interview Magazine and kind of crowned as the messiest influencer or the messiest fashion blogger, as if that is something to be proud of, I'm not surprised that someone tried to shoot them down, to be honest. I think there is a problem online, particularly with anonymous gossip sites or uh, Instagram pages where there is this real value that we attach to messiness. Yeah. When like we shouldn't let that shit fly all the time and sometimes there are real people at the heart of these stories. And yes, of course, it's Rihanna and it's ASAP Rocky and it's Amina Mawadi, three people who have incredible wealth and power and privilege. However, that does not make them immune to fuckery like this. And so I'm not surprised that people probably wanted to pull Louis Pisano down a peg or two because you can't get too comfortable in a situation like that. You're dealing with actual people. Yeah, and I think it's the only thing that makes sense to me that that's what's happened. But then the more I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, this information to Louis has to have been fed by someone mm. who must be close to Rihanna and ASAP Rocky or else why would they be so confident to put it out? Yeah, Like you would only be that confident if you felt like your sourcing was really good. So then it made me think about the source and I'm like, is the source someone – that fed this story not realising how big it would blow up because this really did have like huge implications for Rihanna, ASAP, Rocky and Amina. And if that was someone close to them also doing that, that's also really shit. Or are we giving Louis too much credit? If you are Instagram's messiest influencer, are you actually fact-checking or going to any lengths to check your sources? Are you running with whatever lands into your inbox, with whatever someone DMs you, because you don't care about the truth, you care about chaos and you care about new followers? Yeah, you absolutely could be right. Perhaps I was giving them too much credit, but the whole thing is just completely fascinating to Mm. me and I am so intrigued about what our listeners think about this because it is absurd how global a rumour and a whisper can go these days. What do you make of it, Annabelle? I believe, like I firstly, when I read it, I was like, oh shit. I believed it. Well, you're not alone. Catastrophic. We polled our listeners and a third of people voted that they believed this off face value. And I mean, to their credit, Louis was at Paris Fashion Week. They are someone who is in this industry that they are reporting on. They do have credibility, some level of credibility. Well, credibility to the point where tweeting this out and it being wrong is career ending surely so who would do that 
just for the sake of a messy tweet is what I was thinking initially. Yeah. But bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. And I cannot wait to hear what our listeners think about it again. I think that's all we've got time for, though. I think it is. Guys, thank you so much for lasting until the end of the episode <laughs> with us. We're so grateful. If you want to continue the conversation, as always, come follow us on Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. Clips from this very episode, videos from this very episode will be posted on our TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? Nope. Great stuff. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. We will be back in your ears for another episode of Scandal on Monday. Woohoo. Bye. Bye. Bye.